I would tell you, I think that most of us in this room would probably do better of ourselves if we just laughed a little more, took things a little bit more, I don't know, just kind of go in stride. And I think, too, when we, when, sometimes when we read Scripture, sometimes we have this, uh, if we're not careful, we have this real spiritual, real serious overtone of, of everything. And we forget that the Bible says that we are made fearfully and wonderfully, just like the Lord. And that we're created in the image and likeness of God. Psalm says that even God laughs at His throne. And so it does good for us to be able to enjoy each other. It does good for us to be able to enjoy the journey. It does good for us to be able to know this. And, and, and David basically says, there's a couple of things. He says there are five things basically that you need to know to know joy. To have this life that, where you can laugh often, where you can enjoy life. And I know these are really simple but quite frankly, I think a lot of times we don't really take these things to heart. And uh, so I just want to share them with you as, as David does right here in, in, in uh, Psalm chapter 16. He says, first of all, to know God personally. Know God personally. If you want to, to have that overcoming, joyous, happy life, then know God personally. Verse 2. And, and, and this, is, this is your devotion life. This is more than church service. This is being, becoming a Christ follower, not someone that just mentally assents to who God is or, or gives mental uh, uh, capacity to, to who Jesus Christ is, but it's someone that has a personal relationship with God. In verse 1, he refers to Jehovah. He refers to God as God. But in verse 2, he refers to him as Lord. And there's a difference between understanding who God is as God and, who, and understanding him as Lord. There's a difference between saying, you know, I, I know Jesus that you're God, and there's a difference in saying, but I want you to be my Lord. There's an intimacy, there's a relationship there. And, 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 and Paul talks about it like this when he says that, you know, we should be praying without ceasing, that we should constantly having the word of God and the praise of God on our lips. And you go, well, how do you do that? I used to hear people say that. I used to hear ministers say that and go, how do you do that? I mean, I don't have time to pray all day long. And, and quite frankly, sometimes prayer is really work and, and it's not always easy. And, and, and the reality is, is that having that personal relationship with God, when you have that intimate relationship with God, I'm not talking about church on the weekend. I'm talking about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ where he is not just God, he is your Lord, as David would say. When you have that, there are times that, that, quite frankly, in that relationship that you can just kind of, you may be working, and you just, you begin to, there are thoughts or the things that come through your mind, and you just begin to pray. There may be times where you're going throughout your day, and you kind of pull back away. Maybe you take a break, or maybe you're on a break, or maybe you've got lunch. Maybe you're, 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 you're working a shift, and, and, you're, and you shut the door to your office, or you go to your cubicle, or, or you go to your, out to your car, and you just sit in your car. I know people that do that for their lunch breaks. And they'll take out the word of God and they'll begin to read that. Maybe it's early in the morning. Maybe it's late in the night. It, it doesn't matter when, but it's that relationship with God that just kind of just keeps going. You know, and, and I'll tell you something. The older that I get and the longer that I live this life, the one thing that I do is that I, I break a lot of my prayer time up. I, I'll have concentrated times of prayer, but quite frankly, there are just times that I may pull back during the day. I mean, I, today was a beautiful day, and I'm, I'm taking a walk, and, and quite frankly, I'm just kind of walking and just kind of walking through the neighborhood. And, and I just began to just pray about some things that were on my heart. And uh, it was just that time, and it was just like, that's praying without ceasing. That's having a personal relationship with God. You know how it is when you have a great close friend that you don't have to make excuses. If you have to go, you can just say, hey, I got to run. No problem. Catch you later. You, you, you just kind of pick up where you left off. It doesn't matter if where you left off was three weeks ago or three months ago. 
It's you just have that. And, and with God, if you have that personal, intimate relationship, it's just like, man, as you go through the day, as you go through the week, as you go through your month, as you go through your year, there are just these seasons. There's relational seasons. And that's what, David's, that's what David is talking about here in Psalm 16, to know God personally. Second thing he says that you need to know is to know God's people. If you really want to live a life that's overcoming, if you really want to live a life that's joy-filled, then know God's people. Verses 3 and verses 4. He says that they're the joy of his life, that they're the pleasure of his life. And, then, and he's speaking here about the people of God. That, that's us. That's the church. That's doing life together. Can, can I tell you something? We need each other. I know everybody in this room is funky. I know everybody in this room has issues. I know everybody should walk in this room with a tag that says irregular. Kind of like you're shopping at an outlet mall. You ever felt like that? And if you haven't, you're the one that we're talking about. Okay, everybody what, right? I mean, really. Because we all have quirks. We all have rough edges. We, 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 we all have days where we walk, wake up on the wrong side of the bed. We, we all have issues. We all have things that we're just not good at and other things that we are good at. But can I tell you, we need one another. Why? Because we need to do life together. Because the Bible says if one of us falls and we're by ourselves and we cry out, who's there to help that person? Woe to the man, the Bible says, that falls and no one hears him when he falls and there to pick him up. We need relationship with one another. God never created us from the beginning of time until now for achievement. He created us for relationship. God himself, from the beginning of time, walked and talked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. And when sin entered the world, from that point until the time that Jesus Christ comes onto the scene in Matthew chapter 1, God puts together a plan so that he can be in direct relationship with his creation. And then God has this whole thing called heaven. Why? Because he wants to spend eternity, which is longer than the earth and the world that we live in here, eternity together. Why? Because God wants relationship with us. God wants us to enjoy that and to enjoy that with each other. And folks, if we can't get along here on this side now, we'll never get along on the other side. And can I just help you? You're never going to agree with 100% of what any pastor says. You're never going to agree with 100% of what any other church person says. You're never going to like everybody all the time. Mm, don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. I'm just telling you, we are flawed, but we need each other. We need to do life together. And at Life Church, what does that look like? Well, it looks like life groups. Get involved in life groups. You go, I just, man, that's just kind of messy. You're people's houses, and what if I don't like them? And go to another life group. What if I don't like that one? Go to another life group. We teach and train all of our life group leaders. Listen, if people come in to, to your life group and it just doesn't work, don't, don't get upset if they leave. Don't take it personal. People are on a journey, and this may not fit for them for whatever reason. And maybe it does. But find those relationships and, and do that. We, we talk about ministry groups, getting involved in ministry, serving in ministry. If you are uh, here and... and um, you want to get involved at Life Church? You go, this is my church. I would encourage you, get signed up for, for Life Track. Get connected into the flow and the relational flow of the church because you're going to get to know people as you work with people, as you get around each other as, as you do that. Another thing I would share with you to do is, is, um, is missions trips. Because when you travel with people, you get to know people. You know what I'm talking about? Whether they snore, they don't snore, all that kind of a deal. Folks, we've got to do life with each other. We need each other. Matter of fact, I just went to Kenya with, uh, with a few other guys from the church. 
They're all business guys there. So you guys have that picture? I think I, I sent a picture to, to Randall. They're going to pull it up here in just a second. There it is. We're getting ready to go to the, to the Masamara. Uh, uh, we're, we're out in the, in, in the plains, and, and there I am in the blue. You can see how beautiful I look with my hat on. This is like, like right, we're getting ready to go on safari. And uh, just in front of me, that is, uh, uh, we call him King Nashapai, Chief Nashapai. They said I could never do a sermon and give all the names uh, like we gave everybody nicknames on the trip, so I'm going to do it now. Because Mark Miller's in the room too, isn't he? Hmm. All right. And so, uh, so, so that's King Nashapai. And then to my left is that's that, that's the deacon, and because he kept calling me Bishop the whole time. And so that's that. And then right there between my head and Telvin's head, that's Catfish. You'll have to ask him that whole story, right? And uh, you're going to have to ask Mark. Mark, where are you? Mark's in this room. Mark, wave at me right there. Mark, right there. Mark, you have to ask Mark. Mark, what was your name on that trip? You'll have to ask Mark his name. I'm going to let him tell that to you. And so, so we, but we did on this trip, but we, we went halfway around the world together. Thanks, guys. And we went halfway around the world together. We went to the slums of Nairobi. We ministered to children in orphanages. We, we, we saw what God was doing. We, we went to, to schools and, and saw what God was doing, and we spent time together. But out of that, we developed some relationships with each other that, was, that were just incredible. Why? Because you're doing life together. And, and I'm tell, let me say this to you. I'm telling you, this is what makes a great church. It's not great preaching. It's not great worship. It's not great programming. It's great people. Let me say it again. It's not great preaching. It, it, it's, it's, it's not great programming. It's not great worship. It's great people. It's when people come in and it's like the, the old Cheers you know, song. You, don't you want to go where everybody knows your name and they all, they're always glad you came? I mean, it, it's like being able to go and sit there and to be able to do life with each other and to know and be known and to love and be loved and to admonish and be admonished and to work with one another and, and, and spend time with one another and, and to do that. That's what David's talking about. How joyous and how joyful the people of the house of the Lord are. Know God's people. I'm telling you, you could slip in here, you can drop your, your check in the offering, you can come in here and, and sing some songs in worship, you can come in here and just kind of do your time, so to speak, but you're missing out on really what the whole value of the local church is all about. And that's the people, the people that are sitting around you, the people that you're parked next to in the parking lot, the people that are here. And so I encourage you, get involved, get involved. If you want to have that joyful life, David said, it's the people of God. The next thing you need to know is know God is your provider. Know God is your provider, verse 5 and verse 6. The, the bottom line is David's saying, look, God is my source. The message translation of verse 5 and verse 6 says, I've got a good thing going and I'm not about to let it go. That's how it says it. Because the, the, the thing is, is that is God your source? Or are you your source? Or your job your source? Or the economy your source? And you go, are, are you really serious? Yeah, I mean very serious. Because we can spend our entire lives trying to amass things and trying to spin the wheels and, and pay the bills and trade days for dollars. And you wake up one day and it's gone. You wake up one day and, and, and you're, you're, you're retired and forgotten. You wake up one day and, and what, the, what, what what's, David says this, look man, at the end of the day, God, you're my inheritance. Is he your inheritance? If you want to have that joyful life, if you don't, you want to work under the stress and the strain, and you go, man, Aaron, it's tough right now. It may be. You may go through seasons. But the, the good news is, is that God is your provision. According to God's word, God is your provider. According to his word, 
It's not your job. It's not your ability. It's him. So you just want Jesus to say, cast all your cares upon me because I care for you. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. God never intended for you and I to walk around with some deep-hearted oppression. Work was never intended to be, uh, to be something that's negative. Work was intended to be something that was fruitful and life-giving. It predates the, the fall of man. It predates sin entering into the world. You go, man, it sure doesn't feel like it. Well, no, because part of the curse is, is that we'll work by the sweat of our brow. And so the reality, though, is how do you find that? How do you get that? You realize who the source is. You realize what the source is. The source isn't you. The source isn't the factory. The source isn't the the company. The source isn't your ability. The source is God. And all of a sudden, when you realize that, you may be listening to the news. You may be watching the ticker tape. You may be having conversations with, with financial managers. But at the end of the day, you go, you know what? God this is all in his hands. These things are so much bigger than me. They're so much more complex than I am. And I'm just not going to worry or fret or give sideways energies to things I have no control over. I'm going to give it to him. I'm, his word says that he's my source. I'm going to walk in that. That's the reason why the Bible says when it talks about tithing, to test me in this and see if I won't. The only place in Scripture, why? Because God knows how how hard we hold on to to our resources and how much we claw and and fight for that. But at the end of the day, when we release that and we go, God, you're my provider, you're my provision, it doesn't matter. We're going to be okay. We're we're, going to be okay. I mean, this past week, we were in in the south, uh, spring break, and uh, tornadoes were running through. I mean, you've you've seen the news. And uh, nowhere like it was in Tuscaloosa, just some wind damage and things like this. And uh, we're at the movies at one point. We're at the mall at one point. The tornado sirens go off, the whole deal. And uh, I grew up in in western Arkansas, eastern Oklahoma, and so that's just all kind of tornado alley, my wife in, in Missouri. In Springfield, and so you're just kind of used to. You, I don't mean to be that way, but you you, you do. You just and and you just kind of and and. But our girls are not, and uh, and our youngest was a little bit kind of freaked out by everything, and and rightfully so. And uh, and we and I kept saying it's going to be okay. And what I realized was, as long as she was with Tammy or with I, she was fine. She knew everything was going to be okay. Why? Because we're her provider. Right? I mean, she doesn't get out and hustle a job. She's not making any money. She wasn't paying for anything on that trip. You know what I'm talking about? It was like, hey, Dad, a hand is out. Feed a hungry child. Right? That's my, that's my nine-year-old. But when she was with us, it was like everything's going to be fine. It doesn't matter whether we're driving in a car or whether we're at the mall, we're at the movies. We're wherever we are, it's okay because I'm right there. And when the thunder would roll and when things would happen, she would jump close and we were, it's okay. I'm just telling you, that's the same way God wants to do with you and I. But many times, we just kind of give God the Heisman. And we go, no, 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 no. It's not that easy. No, 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 no. You don't understand. No, no, no. You don't live in my world, God. And God kind of goes, <laughs> I want to help. But okay, go home with your bad self. And we just take on the luggage. We take, we, I mean, we're like pack mules. You know what I'm saying? We just pack it on, pack it on. And oh, pastor, pray for me. I'm stressed out. You're stressed out. Not be, my prayer ain't going to help you. Why? Because you won't avail yourself to the resources that God's given you. Do you understand what I'm saying? And listen, I'm not trying to make light of, of, of rough situations in life, but I'm just simply saying, David said, God, you are my inheritance. I have a good thing. I'm not going to let it go. When God's your source, you just kind of go, look, man, they can't kill me and they're not going to eat me, so I'm going to get up tomorrow. 
right? And we're going to make it. And it, it's, it, it may be different, but we're going to make it. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging bread. Here's the bottom line. Either God's word works or it doesn't. And if it does, you can lean to it. That's the next thing that David said, is know God's principles. Know God's principles. Verse 7 and 8. Know God's principles. I will praise the Lord who advises me. My conscience warns me at night. I will always keep the Lord in front of me. When he is by my side, I cannot be moved. Know God's principles. What's important about this? The word of God, as you read scripture, it falls basically into two categories theologically. Descriptive and prescriptive. It either describes a person, place, or thing, time, or culture, or it is prescribing a way in which to live, that God, God commands us to live. So in the Old Testament, they talk about how that people lived in tents and they were nomadic. They were on a journey looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. That's Abraham. That does not describe or prescribe that you and I should go sell our homes and live in tents. Okay? That's just simply a description of what happened. A description of what was going on. At that point in time, God resided in a tent that was made by the hands of men, but was specified by the Lord. Again, we know that when Jesus Christ died, that the temple veil was torn in two, and, 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 and so now we can all boldly go to the throne of grace and, and obtain mercy. But in the Old Testament, it was done that way. It was describing what was happening. But it's not prescribing that here's how you should worship. We should all show worship in a tent. Thank God for that. We live in Wisconsin, right? Seriously. And there are some people that want to take things to such a literal point that, and I believe in the Bible being literal, but some people want to take the description portions of the Bible and go, that's what we should do. We should, you know, we should go worship in a tent or we should all become nomadic people or whatever. And that's not what God's saying. But much of the word is prescriptive. It's prescribing the principles and the promises of God's word and how we should live. Let me tell you something. There's two things that God's responsible for. Keeping his principles and his promises. God is responsible for keeping his principles of his word and keeping the promises of his word. And Galatians says that you and I, as Gentiles, non-Jewish people, as Christ followers, have been grafted into the vine so that everything that's promised to the Jewish people in the Old Testament that we're a part of because of what Jesus Christ did on Calvary's cross. So what I'm saying is so all of Scripture then becomes available to us. Not just the New Testament, not just the New Covenant, but the Old Covenant, the Old Testament. Now that doesn't mean you need to go like sacrifice animals, right? I mean, that's what they did in the Old Testament. But that is more descriptive because Jesus Christ paid the price for our sins. But it does say when it says in the Old Testament and the New Testament, be holy because I'm holy, that's not descriptive, that's prescriptive. That means let there be no sin in your life. Let there be no vileness in your tongue. Let there be no actions in your life that, that are keeping you and separating you from God. Make, make sure that your heart's holy. Make sure that your mind's holy. Make sure your relationships are holy. Make sure your entertainment is holy. Make sure that where you go tonight, and what you're going to do this weekend, what you're going to do next week, what you're going to do in the summer, that it's holy. Not just church, but you are holy. But because the Bible says in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, excuse me, chapter 6, verse 9, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And because we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, wherever we go as Christ followers, God goes. So God divides Scripture between descriptive and prescriptive, and He's responsible for keeping the principles and promises of His Word. And when you understand the principles of God's Word, and you obey and you live by the principles of God's Word, you will prosper. You will be blessed is what the Bible says. And so what David is saying here, if you want to live a happy, overcoming life, then live by the word and lead by the word. Live by the word and lead by the word. 
live by the word. Make sure that you're living by the principles of God's word. Well, how do I know God's word? By reading his word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, by doing what you're doing right now, by opening up the Bible. The strongest biblical teaching I can give you is what's called expository teaching, which means I take a passage of scripture and I walk right through that passage and I pull out the precepts of God's word and the principles of his word that are in action. That's what I'm doing for you right now. There are five principles that David's giving us. These five principles, if you will apply them to your life, life will be better. Life will be easier. Why? Because that's the way God designed it to be. First, vertical relationship with God is right. Then the horizontal things in life will take care of, each, of, of, of itself. Matthew 6, 33. Seek the first kingdom of God, his righteousness, then all these things shall be added unto you. That's the reason why it's important, not just we, that we laugh, but that we learn tonight, and that we learn today, and that we learn at the Germantown campus, and we learn at the, at the West campus. Why? Because at the end of the day, we want to make sure that the principles of God's word are active in our lives. And when they are, we'll live by those. And when we live by those, we'll lead by those. What do do you mean by that? I mean exactly what Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6 and 7 says. It's what I say at every baby dedication. That we are to teach and train our children to to, to basically leave home and, and be successful parents is what you're doing. You're teaching. You're talking about the things of God. You're talking about the principles of God. You're talking about the precepts of God. The Bible says as you walk along the street, as you get up in the morning, as you go to bed at night, to teach and to train your children. What? the principles of God's word, so that when they live out the principles of God's word, it works. With our daughters, we do the same thing, and I know you do this with your kids, but we sit down and we talk. And many times we have this conversation, we're not doing this because dad's a pastor. It has nothing to do with dad being a pastor. We're doing this because we're Christ followers. We're not watching this movie, not because because dad's a pastor. We're not watching this because we're Christ followers. We don't involve ourselves in this level of entertainment, not because dad's a pastor, but because we're Christ followers. We don't wear this, not, or we, we don't wear this, not because dad's a pastor, but because we're Christ followers. And I'm teaching them because, again, if you let the world's rating system tell you what's appropriate for a 13-year-old and a 17-year-old and an 18-year-old and a 6-year-old, you will be sadly mistaken. Seen Rango? You can say amen to that. You know what I'm talking about? Because there's just things that the world says, hey, what's the big deal with this? Right? And, and, and there are just things that are going on. You know, I, I, I'm, we're, we're, we're out on vacation a couple years ago, and Katy Perry's I Kiss the Girl and I Like It was like the hot top 40 song. And I'm at, we're at a Mexican restaurant, and my youngest, at the top of her lungs, starts singing, I kissed a girl, and I, whoa, whoa, no, we didn't kiss any girls, we didn't like it, it's a boy, and she said, no, it's a girl, and I'm not even paying attention, and what had happened was, you see, what had happened was, all of a sudden, she hears this, and she does it, so I have to sit down and explain, because the world says it's okay, but God's word says no way. And we're people of God. If you're a Christ follower, if you're not, you can go do whatever you want to do. But if you're a child of the, of the utmost of the high God, then there's the, you talk different, you walk different, you live different. The Bible says you're a peculiar people. That doesn't mean you have to look weird, right? Some of you ought to set you free. You don't have to look weird, <laughs> right? But there are some things you just don't do. And, and I'm telling you, adults, we're as bad as, as kids are. Well, everybody does it. Really? Choose you this day for whom you will serve. Paul says, work out your, fear, your, 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 um, uh, your, your own salvation with fear and trembling. Thank you. Why? It's principles of God's word. And David says, when you take the principles of God's word and you apply them to your life, they work. They will set you free. Whether you're teaching them to your children, whether you're living them out in your life, whether you're living them out in your business. And I'm just going to tell you, if God's word only works on Sundays 
and Saturday nights, then who needs it? If you say, well, it doesn't work in business world, then what are you doing here? I mean, you of all people know it's a waste of time and there's no return and the, the whiffum is a big fat zero. But the reality is, is it does work. And, and, and it is appropriate and it is applicable to every life and every situation. Whether you're working, whether you're working a nine to five, whether, whether you're running a Fortune 500 company, whether you're a college student, whether you're a junior high student, whether you're a stay-at-home mom or dad, whether you're looking for a job and you're between jobs, his word works all the time. And David says when you take these principles and these precepts and you live them and you lead by them, you will be blessed. You will have joy. You will laugh more and enjoy life more. Why? Because his word works. The last thing he says is this. Know God's protection. He ends it with verses 9 and 10 saying, Know God's protection. The last thing you need to do is know God's protection. The, the, the deal is, is... Uh, when you realize that God holds the entire world in his hand and that God is... Is, is God and that he's handling things and he's handling situations. It takes the pressure off of you. It, takes the, it drives the fear away and it relieves the worry. I can't tell you how many times as a parent I'm parenting and I'm going, I hope I'm doing the right thing. I don't, maybe, maybe you're just confident. Everybody's looking at me like, yeah, okay. And, and, and I hope I'm not doing something that's going to psychologically damage my child so that when they're Whatever age you're laying on a, on a couch trying to move. And that, but I go back to this is the way the, God's word says that we're supposed to do this. So with fear and trembling, I take the word of God and I live it out in my family and I use it to parent my children. Trusting, going, God, your word says, this is what your word says. I mean, folks, we really should take God's word that's such a deal where there's no fear. Because when you take the word of God and you so lean on God's word that if it were to move, you would fall. If you really live life that way, if you really lead your home that way, if you, if you really love your, your spouse that way, if you marry that way, if you, if you um, raise your kids that way, the fear is gone. The Bible says that, there, that God's not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and a love and of a sound mind. So anytime you feel that fear coming on you, that's not the work of God's work of the enemy. And there's confidence that I know, man. I know this is what his word says he will do. This is what his word says. And so I go back to it. It's like on our trip, we were driving through Bloomington Normal. We were meeting with some friends. And we were on our way to the restaurant to have dinner. And we have a rule in our family that's a deeply spiritual rule. Hold on for it. Now, you may want to write this down. When the hot light is on at Krispy Kreme, we stop. Anybody else have that rule? So we're driving on the way to eat with some friends. And we're driving Veterans Parkway, and we're going right through Bloomington and uh, in Illinois, and, and we're right there. And all of a sudden, the hot light wasn't on earlier, but it's on now. And my youngest goes, Dad, Dad, look. Look, Anna, look. Look, Lassie, look. The hot light's on. And she says, Dad. And I go, I know. And she goes, and she grabs my arm and she goes, let me remind you of your word. <laughs> True. I said, when we get done, we'll go to Krispy Kreme whether the light's on or not. Yeah! Yeah! 
Tammy and I were kind of laughing about it. But that's how we should be with God. God, your word, you, let me remind you of your word. When the light's on, we're stopping. When there's hot donuts, we're stopping. And I know that's kind of funny. But do you live life that way? Because I'm telling you, I do. I can't tell you how many times I've knelt in that back room before I've come out here. And I have knelt down and said, God, this is yours. It's not mine. Don't let me mess this thing up. I can't tell you how many times I've pulled onto the parking lot going, Lord, I don't know how we're going to pay for everything. I don't know how it's all going to come together. But these are your people, and you know what needs to be done. This is yours. It's not mine. I can't tell you how many times we've come to crossroads when I've gone, God, I really don't know what to do, but I'm going to keep walking out. I don't feel it. I don't see it. But I know this is what your word says, that we're we're led by faith, not by sight. I'm going to keep walking this thing out. And I'm telling you, I do that in my personal life. And so can you. God, let me remind you of your word. And David said, man, I have protection. I have the soundness of mind. And I know that God has everything handled. Laugh. Love. Live. Live the overcoming life that God's called you to live. And the best way to do that is, begins with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you're here tonight and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you're here, you're at the West Campus today and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, let me tell you very simply how to do this. Just simply say, God, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior and I believe that you, Jesus, are that Savior. Come into my heart, come into my life and save me from my sins. I surrender my life to you today in Jesus' name. And if you pray that prayer, the Bible says in Romans 10, 9, and 10 that if you confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart that what, that what I just said, that you will be saved. Not because you're praying a prayer, but because you believe it in your heart. So I'm going to ask us to do something tonight. I know to, this has been a completely unorthodox service, and I hope you had fun. But I want to end with one simple thing. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? And if that's you, you'd say, man, Aaron, that's me. Please, no one moving around. If that's you, you'd say, you know what? I, 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 I want to give my life to Christ tonight. I, I need to start there. I, I want that life that you're talking about. I want to be able to laugh more. I want to have the joy of the Lord be my strength. I, I, I want to have that in my life. It all begins with knowing God, not as God, but as Lord. If that's you, and you go, man, I, I want to give my life to Christ tonight, I just want you to slip up your hand and say, that's me, man. Would you pray for me? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I just want a chance to pray with you right where you are. Thanks. Anybody else? Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else in this room? Thanks. Here's what I want to do. I want to pray this prayer together. Very simply for those that lifted their hand. And I'm just going to ask those of you that are Christ followers to lend your voice with those who are maybe doing this for the very first time. And they're beginning this journey. And uh, let's pray. Dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and into my life to forgive me of my sins and be my Lord and Savior. I believe in you, Jesus. And I ask you to fill my heart today. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give the Lord praise for those who made that declaration tonight?